Let me uh, open us up in prayer. Do you all have the handouts? Okay, I'm going to uh, open us up in prayer. God, we are so thankful that um, the, the, the things that we talk about during Sunday school aren't just, um, they're not just lessons, they're not just um, doctrines for us to speculate on, but these are the very words of life. Um, you are good to us, and I pray that ultimately beyond anything else, beyond knowledge, beyond uh, trivia in our heads, that these lessons, uh, this lesson, the previous lesson, the upcoming lessons, would cause us to love you and love Jesus more, that you would put new affections in us, God. So it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So last week we went through effectual calling. Effectual calling. Uh, were you all here for Pastor Michael's lesson? Would anyone like to recap? What, what did you learn? What was What is effectual calling? Remember, there's a general call. Mm-hmm. You hear the gospel. Yep. But the effectual call is what actually turns your heart to follow. Yeah. Awesome. That's why I remember. Cool. Um, any anything else? What else did you guys uh, hear or learn or remember at this point? Cool. All believers, all believers are. Well, yeah. So uh, let me, let me, this might jog your memory. So we're going through, it's called the Ordo Salutis, which is the order of salvation, the order in which God um, brings life to us. I think that's a very simple way of looking at it. And uh, there's there's an order to how things are. And if you look on the top of your sheet, this, this is the, this is the, the, um, order in which we consider, in which we believe uh, things go. So, if you if you look at Romans eight, there is it, it's uh, we call it the golden chain of salvation, the the chain in which all these things happen, and there's an, there's a very specific order to them. So, last week was effectual calling. It was God uh, before before uh, any of us knew about Jesus before any of us had any any idea uh, about spiritual things, God was doing something. He was calling people. He was drawing people to himself. And today we're going to look at regeneration. So let me, before I read the official definition, let me, uh, we can break down the word regeneration. So what does re mean? If we were to use it again, yeah, again. And then gen, generation. Yeah. Uh, did you say beginning? Um, that's, I'll put that down here in parentheses. Um, I'm looking for something a little bit more specific. Begin, beginning of what genes, generation, what comes to mind? This is a biological term, right? Yeah, life. Yeah, life, uh, gen. So, if if um, if something is generated, if we're th- looking at, at it in terms of humans, we're thinking life. So again, life. I was 
I was I Google or I YouTube this word regeneration a few days ago, and um, it's really cool. It's the, a few of the first videos that come up are animals, uh, specifically reptiles that regrow limbs. They someone uh, chopped someone chopped off um, the arm of a lizard, and then I think it's a, it's not a it didn't happen in real life. This was a computer generated thing, but uh, if you already cut off the arm of a salamander or a lizard. Over time, that arm is going to grow back again. It's going to be fully functional. Uh, so this is, on a very broad sense, regeneration is coming to life again. So this brings to mind John 3. Do you guys remember the conversation Jesus had with uh, Nicodemus? He says, you must be born again. Implying that simple, simple, simply having... Uh, physical life is not enough. You must be born again, meaning there has to be, you have to have life again, or again life. So, on, on a very broad sense, in a very broad, um, in very broad terminology, that's what it is. So, let's look at the uh, definition we have here on the sheet. The secret act of God in which he imparts new spiritual life to us. The work of the Spirit whereby he implants the new life of Christ in the heart of the sinner. So what we're going to do for the next 35 minutes or so, 40 minutes, is we're going to look at uh, the characteristics of regeneration. We're going to look at how it fits into the order of salvation. And we have a lot of scripture here, so I'm going to ask you all to contribute, participate by reading some scripture with us. But before we do that, let me, let's me let look at the Westminster Confession of Faith. So just uh, uh also, it's education about our church and our denomination. We subscribe to the Westminster Confession of Faith. If you guys have ever gone to a church website and you, you, you're wondering, oh, what does this church believe? And they click like, this is what we believe. Well, for the PCA in our denom denomination, the Westminster Confession of Faith, this is what we believe. So if you go online, if you look it up, it's this long confession, this long uh, articulation of all the things that we believe. And this is what it says about regeneration. They who are once effectually called and regenerated, having a new heart and a new spirit created in them, are further sanctified really and personally through the virtue of Christ's death and resurrection by his word and spirit dwelling in them. The, the dominion of the whole body of sin is destroyed, and the several lusts thereof are more and more weakened and mortified, and they more and more quickened and strengthened in all saving graces to the practice of true holiness without which no man shall see the Lord." So this is a lot of words, and um, it's easy to get this jumbled up. So let's let's uh, look at it in depth now. In Scripture, we have a passage, uh, a story that gives us an image of regeneration. It's it doesn't speak specifically of regeneration, but I think it it paints for us a fantastic picture of what regeneration uh, is if you were to look at it in terms of physical life. So. Can I have a volunteer read uh, these many verses? Liz, well, thank you. John 11. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died, and for your sake I am glad that I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead for four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, 
Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me. But I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips, and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus, told, Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. All right. Thank you. So what's happening here is Lazarus is dead. And it's really interesting that if you notice the order in which this happens, Jesus tells Lazarus, Lazarus, come out of your tomb. Come alive. Well, before he says that, we have this very, uh, uh, it paints a picture for us. What's hap- what, what has happened to Lazarus? He's been dead. His body is, his, his flesh is rotting. The body stinks. Everyone knows that all life has departed from him. He's completely 1,000% dead. Yet how is Lazarus able to come back to life? How is he able to respond to the call of Jesus? Jesus says, come to life, Lazarus. And how is he able to do that? And this for us paints a, a, a great picture of what regeneration is. Is It's God telling us, you are going to come back to life. I, I'm telling you to come back to life, and I'm going to impart the ability to come back to life before you actually come back to life. So if you notice, there's there's a... Um, there's a Lazarus. Uh, he, there's no way he can respond to the call of Jesus, right? I did a lesson, something similar to this lesson, year like five or eight years ago, something like that. And I, my my visual was, I brought, I went to the the market the day before, I bought a fish, and I I, I asked the class, if we want the fish to come to life, what are we going to do? And we think, if we're to think in terms of religious terms, if if you've been around the religious. Um, arena at all people they they try to show their life by making themselves look good or by acting a certain way um and i said well i could put perfume on this so i I sprayed some perfume on the fish the fish smells better now is the fish alive no well i can like hold it up and i can move it around and I, i can open its mouth and is the fish alive now no the fish is still dead and for the as far as i know the fish remained dead why because there was no life in him there's nothing i could do to bring to bring him to life in the same way all of us spiritually are dead there's nothing in us within us that can bring us back to life so uh let's go further on uh so this is just a a, uh, a little picture of what regeneration is so the characteristics of regeneration and i have the uh, I'm sorry, page two, I, I mixed it up. So why is regeneration necessary? John, Jesus says in John 3, you must be born again, implying that we're all dead. Uh, John 3, 3, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So the note here is this, before the new birth happens to us, we're spiritually dead, we're morally selfish and rebellious, and we are legally guilty before God's law under his wrath. So here I'm going to spell out the bad news for us. All of us are dead. We're, we're disgusting to God because if you've ever been around dead things, you know it stinks. You don't want to be around them. So we're, I'm going to, uh, let's just read maybe a, uh, one verse for each of these points. And I'm going to call out people. Tony, can I have you read Ephesians 2.1? And you were dead in the trespasses and sins. Awesome. So we're spiritually dead. 
meaning that there's no spiritual life in us. There's nothing good in us that God can accept. Uh, Eric, can I have you read John three nineteen, please? <clears throat> and this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to, to the light, lest his works should be exposed. All right. So as we live our lives, we hate what is good. There's nothing if, – if left to ourselves, we would just always go for the most disgusting things. We'd go for the most sinful things. This is our natural inclination before we have life. So we love what we should hate and we hate what we should love. Um, Liz, can I have you read Ezekiel thirty six twenty six, please? And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Thank you. Can I have you read um, Ephesians 4 as well? They, uh, they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. All right. So uh, our hearts are, are dead. Our hearts are hard. And if you were to think about it, uh, if you were just to have an image of your head, if God wants to break into our hearts, it's, he's, he's knocking, he's knocking, he, he's trying to get into your heart. But unless something opens that up, unless there, our, our hearts are completely closed off to the goodness of the world and to things that are good, um, we go on. It, it, more bad news, Romans 8. Can I have a, Fion, can you read Romans 8, please? All right, so there's um there there's a thinking that goes well if I am sincere if I believe things with with my heart and I'm not I don't have any ill intents even if it's wrong God still has to accept me um, or if I if I do all these good things if I've been nice to people if I have tried my best to serve my community then God is going to be happy with that. Except the Bible says, if you're doing that in the power of your own flesh, this does not bring pleasure to God. God is still angry. God is still, God still recognizes that you are a dead person. So uh, we continue further on. 1 Corinthians 2. Um, Kyle, can I have you read 1 Corinthians 2? The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to all right, so this when when people hear spiritual things, when they hear I don't know whatever it is like uh, things they hear in church or maybe something they read, uh, if it's something that is is good spiritual knowledge, they're not able to accept it. They can maybe understand the the on some level the truth of it. I when I was in college, I took this humanities course, and one of these sections they talked about. Uh, the Bible is literature, and this was it was uh, a few professors that were teaching on this, and they all said the Bible is a magnificent book. It's a great book. Um, it's it has it has inspired so much change. It has shaped Western civilization. But they said this this was all written by man, and uh, we I, I I as a Christian could agree with them to some point. I, I could say yes, it has shaped Western civilization. It has brought about change in so many different ways but 
for them, uh, if they're not believers, they could only understand a certain level, a certain aspect of these spiritual things. Because unless God opens their heart, they cannot feel the real truth of it. They can't find Jesus in what the scriptures say. So um, we're unable to accept the gospel because we're dead. Uh, John 6, 4, 4. Tay, can I have you read that, please? All right, thank you. So, uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about this on page three, the characteristics of regeneration. But we're unable to accept Christ, so it's very similar to the previous point. Um, Romans 6.17. David, can I have you read this, please? You who were once slaves of sin. All right, great. And I actually read Ephesians 2 as well. You were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. All right, thanks. So there, I don't know if you guys have ever heard this, but in uh, in the in the ancient times, there, I think in the um, the Romans or someone, I, I forget which, which exact culture, but one of the ways that they would punish prisoners is they would tie these prisoners to corpses. These were rotting corpses, and then they would... Just, they would they would put them right face to face with with rotting corpses and they would throw them in the ground and this this prisoner they would experience death death would fill their nostrils and they were completely chained to death and this is uh, what comes to mind when I hear this that we are slaves we can't escape from death we can't escape from sin if we are not alive and then finally Romans seven eighteen um, Annie can I have you read that please. All right, again, there's nothing good in us. So here is all this bad news. We're dead. Our hearts are hard. We're unable to please God. This is really bad news. And we need this understanding to understand the the the, the doctrine of regeneration. So if we – do you guys know the five points of Calvinism? Uh, has anyone um, studied that? What's the very first – the first point of that – Total depravity, right? Total depravity. Um, and this is what these scriptures speak of, is total depravity. Uh, man is depraved. Man cannot please God. Okay, any questions before we go on to our next points? Good? Okay. Thank you. Let's go on. So, the characteristics of regeneration. Regeneration is solely a work of God, uh, meaning monergistic. So actually, I was I showed this my lesson to Christine a couple of days ago, and she, I originally had regeneration is totally a work of God. So she helped me uh, sharpen my language here. When I say regeneration is solely a work of God, I have this other word here, monergism, which means. Uh, do you guys know what the the counter to monergism is? Synergism. You guys have heard this word synergy before. If two people have a good working dynamic, they have synergy, right? Regeneration is monergistic, meaning that there's only one actor involved. There's one person involved in this, in this whole, everything that happens. And who is that person? Is it us? No, it's God. Regeneration is monergistic, meaning that God does all the work. So this goes contrary to I don't know if like I, I grew up in in 
a, a church or um, in a in a school that taught that. This so this is what happened. There was. There, God calls, or you, you hear the gospel message, and then they say, "If you have faith, then you will be, then God will save you. If you have faith, then God will save you." So the order goes like this: faith, and then new life. Have you guys heard that before? You just gotta have faith in God, and then God will save you. That sounds great. The problem is. There's a few different problems with that. One of them is it means that we are the ones that come up with the faith. And, and here is where uh, some, some people will get around it. So in uh, our, our church, we are Calvinistic, meaning that we hold to. There's, um, well, it's really simply, we just mean that God does all the work in salvation. So uh, the the... Those who oppose Calvinism, they're called Arminians. And Arminians will say, well, yes, God does give us the grace to accept the gospel. And they, what they call, what they say is, um, God gives us a prevenient grace. Prevenient grace. They say that God gives everyone grace to accept the gospel. But if he, if you are, but he gives prevenient grace to those who actually become Christians. And what prevenient means is it come, coming... Before that's what prevenient means. So grace that comes before life. Okay, so this is what uh, we don't believe, or what I don't believe, at least. Uh, maybe I can, maybe I can uh, convince you otherwise. My, what I'm going to say here is that new life actually comes before faith. So I'm going to so say new life comes first, first and second. Okay, um, so let's look at a lot of these passages that talk about how it's God alone that does all the work. Um, who did I end off with? Did you read yet, Annie? You did? Uh, okay, can you read um, John 1, please? But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, who gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man. All right, thank you. It's God alone here in John 1. He says, that I'm the one that does this work. Liz read Ezekiel 36 earlier. God is the one who puts this new new spirit in us. Um, James 1.18. David, um, can I have you read James 1.18, please? Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. All right, by whose will? By the will of God. First Peter 1.3. Kat, can I have you read that, please? All right, who has caused us to become born again? God has done the work. I have this long passage from John 3. We're not going to read it, but Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, and we brought this story up earlier. How can a man be born again? Is he going to go back in his womb? And Jesus says, no. That which is, if you look about halfway down, um, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear it sound, but you do not know where it comes or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. Who can control what the spirit does? 
if you watch if if you watch uh, the televangelists or if you've been to maybe you may yourself have been to some of these these church churches or retreat experiences where they try to manipulate your emotions right they go we're going to say certain things we're going to play emotional music in the background we are going to um try to try to ultimately they want they want to get you to decide something for christ they want you to feel the truth or feel whatever is they're speaking and i'm not saying there's anything wrong with emotional music i think that's great i don't think there's anything wrong with speaking in certain cadences um, i think emotions should be elevated but we cannot control what the spirit of god does the spirit of god will do whatever the spirit of god wants to do so that gives us great assurance right if last week pastor michael said that one of the assurances one of the great promises of the effectual call is that god's work will always be done so if there's someone that we've been praying for if we if there's someone that we care for that we, we go man they're just not getting it we go maybe they're not getting it right now but the spirit will do what the spirit's going to do and the spirit is way more powerful than anything that we can contrive so uh let's go on john 6 um let me wrap around uh rachel ward can you have can you read uh, john 6 please Thank you. If you are to become a believer, who has allowed that to happen? Who has made that to happen? In John 6, Jesus says, it can't happen unless it's granted to him by the Father. Okay? So this, some people find these things really offensive. They go, wow. Uh, it, it means I can't do anything. It means that I'm not in control of anything. And to that we say, yes. We say yes, because if we're spiritually dead, there's no way we can accept things that are good. There's no way we can accept the gospel. Left up to ourselves, we would never, ever, ever choose God. But the good news is that God has said, I have chosen my people, and they are going to respond to me. Before we go on, any questions? Comments? Okay. Um let me move on. So what happens in gener- regeneration? I- I've saved this passage for um, Christine because it's one of her favorite passages. Uh, Christine, can you read the first, uh, this this verse from 2 Corinthians, please? Uh, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. All right. So when we're re- regenerated, when we're brought to life, we're made new. So um, we've got new life. Or we have new life. God has given us new life. Um, and this this will go, I'm going to teach on sanctification in a few weeks, and I'm going to use the same passage again. Um, but because this applies, I think, more directly to sanctification. But this is one of the things that happens when God gives us life. We're made new. Um, okay, let me go back to Andrew. Andrew, can you read Deuteronomy 30, please? All right, thank you. So we have circumcised hearts, and if we are truly given new life, then we have new affections. I love, uh, I, I love this. This is a promise. We we sometimes think of the um, so, some some things we hear. Um, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. We hear that as a command, and it is a command, but. 
that is also a promise. One day, even though you don't fully love God with everything you have, one day you will love God with all that you have. You will love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul that you may live. We sing a hymn sometimes uh, in, on Sundays. I don't, I don't think we've sung it in a while, but the hymn is All I Owe. And one of the lines is, um, when I see you as you are, when I love you with unsinning hearts, we all love God about that much. Even the most faithful, devout of us love God about that much because we have sin in our hearts. But one day, we're going to love God with everything that we are. We're going to love Him with unsinning hearts. And that is amazing because nothing will bring us more joy than that. Right now, our hearts are... Uh, uh, Christine is pregnant right now, uh, if you don't... It's, and she And we were talking a few days ago. Uh, she, there's... The baby is probably so comfortable in there, um, and that Judah and uh, Zachary, they're, they're so comfortable in their wombs, and they have no idea what there is in the outside world. The, the pleasures that they experience in there are nothing compared to what they're going to experience out here. They're going to be able to eat steak. They're going to be able to watch movies. They're going to be able to listen to music that is going to melt their minds because it's so good. Right now, we are also in a womb. Uh, we're still waiting to be delivered. If you read in Romans, it gives us this imagery. We're, we're, we're trying to get out. We know that we need to be delivered from this world. Imagine the most beautiful thing, the most beautiful music, the most tasty food. Imagine the most glorious sight that you've ever seen. What you're going to see on the other side of eternity is going to be 10 trillion trillion times better we have no idea there are going to be colors that we have never seen before there are going to be uh, musical scales that we didn't know could even exist there is going to be such beauty such goodness that we feel in our hearts we we can't feel that right now but there's a promise for all of us man hold on whatever think of the most beautiful the best thing in the world right now man if we knew if we knew what is on the other side we would go, I don't want to sin, any, sin anymore. I don't want to turn my back to God. Because if I do, I'm turning my back to these things. When God regenerates us, this is the type of heart that he gives us. The unregenerate person, the person that is doesn't have new life, they're not going to want the things of God. They, they're, it doesn't even cross their mind that such a thing exists. But because God has given us new life, we have that. Okay? So, let me move on. The Spirit of God works in us. Let's just read a couple of these verses. Joe, can I have you read uh, 1 Corinthians, please? These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. All right, thank you. And, um, Jay, can I have you read 1 Corinthians 6, please? You were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. Great, thank you. That was my 10-minute warning. Um, the Spirit of God is working in us. Uh, so, the, the Spirit of God has been working in us before we made the decision, before we decided that we were going to, going to follow Jesus. The Spirit of God was working in our hearts. Uh, for some of us, 
uh, we may have people that we've been praying for. They're not, they haven't come to um, the point where they decided to follow Jesus. Uh, the Spirit of God is already working in them, and we don't know what's happening. The Spirit of God will blow where it will, but something is happening for those, all those who will ultimately be followers of God. So that th- these are some of the characteristics of regeneration. There's actually um, more. Google it, or you can talk to me later. But um, any questions before we move on to our last two points? Okay. Let me move on. Regeneration precedes faith. So I spoke earlier about this prevenient grace. Let me give you a, mo- a, a few more passages that talk about the order of the, the Spirit of God, or the order in which all this stuff happens. So regeneration precedes faith. If you guys ever talk to Harry, Harry loves to talk about this because when Harry heard this heard this phrase... It blew his mind, so maybe he should have taught this part of the lesson. Um, regeneration precedes faith. God has saved us before we are saved, if that makes sense. All right? So let's, let's. Um, who did we end with? I'm going to ask Troy. Can you read 1 Corinthians 2, please? And we, and we impart to this word, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Thank you. So this, the unspiritual man is not able to understand what God is communicating to his people. Um, Jamie, can I have you read Colossians 2, please? All right, we were dead. We're dead. So the same imagery again of Lazarus. Lazarus was dead. Lazarus, how are you going to come to life? How are you going to come to life? God has to put the, God has to raise you from the dead before you respond to the call. Um, Jessica, can I have you read? Um, let me have you read First John. Second Corinthians is uh, a little bit long. Let me have you read First John, please. All right, so. If any of us love God, it's not because we chose one day to love God. It's not we. It, some people think that um, there are things within Christianity that are compelling, and they think, okay, well, I can subscribe to this worldview because of all things, it makes the most sense. But that is falls short of what God offers to us. God offers us a new love, a new appetite for the things that are good. So how can we have this affection? By It's it's by God giving us his own love first. We love because he first loved us. Tracy, can I have you read Acts 6.14, please? All right, this is, in Acts, we have this great story of this lady named Lydia, and she uh, was a merchant, and she, it, it says that before she became a Christian, uh, the Lord opened her heart to what Paul was, what, what the, what the, uh, what Paul was saying and what the, what she was hearing. So, a, a lot of people can hear Words. A lot of people can hear the gospel, but it requires that God open our hearts to accept these things. It requires that God open our hearts to accept these things. So, um, 
I'm going to uh, let's. I'll, I'll I'll end it there for this part, just for the sake of time. But um, any questions for this? That God saves us before He saves us. God um, gives us new life before we're able to respond. Questions or thoughts? Okay. Uh, so I have the Canons of Dort. If you look at the bottom of the page, this there was a um, a meeting hundreds of years ago in which they were they were talking about things uh, very much related to this, and this is where we get uh, the tulip from the Canons of Dort. So this is one of the things they said. Therefore, all people are conceived in sin and born children of wrath, unfit for any saving good, inclined to evil, dead in their sins, and slaves to sin. Without the grace of the regenerating Holy Spirit, they are neither willing nor able to return to God. Let me say that again. Without the grace of the regenerating Holy Spirit, they are neither willing nor able to return to God, to reform their distorted nature, or even to dispose themselves to such reform. If we have any desire, if we have any inkling for the things of God, it's because God has made it so. It's because God has given us some type of life to accept what he's saying. Okay, so the result of regeneration, and we're going to talk more about this again in the sanctification class. And actually, Michael will talk about this as well in Faith and Repentance. But um, let's see. Let, uh, Tony, can I have you read First John 5, 4, please? For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. All right, so if God... How do we know? There, there are... Um, In the in the gospel, as Jesus speaks of, there are the the goat and the sheep, right? Uh, the sheep go to are the ones that enter the kingdom of God. Um, the goats are the ones that um, they even act. They, they 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 may call themselves God followers. They may consider themselves good churchgoers. They're good religious people, but at the end of the day, they don't enter the kingdom of God. So how do we know that we truly are? Regenerated. How do we know that we truly have the spiritual life that God has called us to? Um, we ultimately will overcome the world. This is a great promise. First um, Corinthians two. Christine, can I have you read that, please? That's my three-minute warning. Yeah, so this is fantastic. We have the mind of Christ. Again, this is not just a command. We don't see here just imperatives. We see promises. We have the mind of Christ. We have spiritual discernment. Uh, when God speaks to us, the sheep hear his voice, right? The sheep of God hear the shepherd's voice. Uh, Eric, can I have you read Ephesians 1, please? That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. All right, thanks. So we have the eyes of our, our look like think of like two googly eyes on your heart, and they're opened, they're responsive. What God wants to show you, you are seeing. Um, and then finally, Liz, can I have you read First John 3, 9, please? No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. Thank you. 
This, this isn't saying that we're not going to sin. It says that we don't make a practice of sinning. And I included this portion in the lesson just because, just so we understand that regeneration isn't merely a change in our status. It's not, we don't have the label of dead and God replaces it with the word alive. It's more than just that. It's how we act, how we view the world, our, our appetites, um, our desires. These things change. It doesn't mean that it's going to happen right away, but they're going to change. And this is how we know that the work of regeneration has has happened in our life. Again, regeneration means new life or again life. We've been given a life that is different from the life of death that we had before. And let me end my portion of the lesson, and we can take some questions if you want later uh, after this. But Charles Wesley, he wrote a hymn. It's called, And Can It Be? And can it be that I should gain that one? Uh, and this is one of the verses. Long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin and nature's night. So the imagery, again, is there's darkness, there's death, we're stuck to it. We're, we're, we're imprisoned in death. We can't get out. Thine eye diffused a quickening ray. God has given us this, this light of life. Quickening means bringing to life. This was written in the 1700s, I believe. Um, quickening. We're quickened. We're brought to life. I woke the dungeon flamed with light. The, this, whatever, the life that we're living, we may not have realized that it was a dungeon because as dead people, who knows? But when our when our our eyes are open, when our hearts are awakened, we can see all this light, the light that's consuming the darkness. My chains fell off. My heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. This is a fantastic image of regeneration. This is what has happened to all of us. So uh, if we ever sing a song, you can request it of Nate or the music team. Ask, maybe you can ask them to lead the song because it's so great. So let me end my portion. Let me open it up for any questions before we close in prayer. Any questions or thoughts? Okay, I'm going to uh, close it up then. So we've got a few more lessons. Pastor Michael will speak on faith and repentance. We've got justification. Justi- Make sure you guys come to the justification class. Michael's teaching on it. This is like uh, Christine talks about this all the time. Justification because she loves it. So I'll make sure that she's here as well. Adoption. This is great. Sanctification. Glorification. Uh, this is all amazing stuff. And I hope it's not just uh, head stuff for us. But this is, uh, it should encourage us it should bring us life so let me close in prayer god we're so thankful that you have given us life Um, i pray that you would allow us to feel the the weight of our sin and the depths of hell Um, i I pray that you would allow us to feel uh, the horror and darkness of what we once were and if we truly understand that, then we can more fully appreciate what you've done for us through the life and death of Jesus. You've given us new life. You've awakened us. You have um, taken off the chains that we've been shackled to. And now, God, we live as free people. 
And uh, I pray that as we continue on in our journey together, that we would understand this, that we would feel it, that we would appreciate it, and that this would cause us to hope in you more and love you more, God. So we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.